You're listening to audio from the Town Center campus of CA Church, located in downtown Coquitlam. We hope this message helps you grow in your personal relationship with Jesus. Uh, I'm going to invite you to grab your Bibles as we step into the, the message this morning. If you don't have a, a physical Bible, you can grab your phones. We're going to be reading out of Colossians chapter 3 this morning. I'm going to give you a few seconds to open up to that. We want to make sure you can all get there. And if you have nothing in your hands and you have no phone even, God bless you, first of all. Uh, but you will be able to see the text behind me. We're reading from Colossians, which is a letter written to a, a church in the first century by the first greatest missionary of the church, the Apostle Paul. Some of you might know him as St. Paul. And he writes this, in verse, starting in verse 12 of chapter 3 of Colossians. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Pause. Could there be a more important time in the history of the Western world to clothe ourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience? Bear with each other. And forgive one another if, if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues put on love which binds them all together in perfect unity. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace. And be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. The word of the Lord. All right, that's good. This is the word of the Lord. Would that have helped? Let me do it exact. This is the word of the Lord. Fantastic. You guys can take a seat. Well, some of you know, well, before, actually, before I jump, and this might be the most exciting announcement of the morning. Um, I don't know if you noticed on the way in, but the doors say that drinks are now allowed inside this, the, the theater. So some of you who are hiding them right now, you're like, oh, oh of course I knew that. Apparently, it's okay now to, uh, to bring your coffee into the theater. So, uh, woohoo! I'm hoping and praying that's not the most exciting thing you hear this morning, but I did want to let you know uh, that. Uh, we stepped last week into a three-week series on kind of, uh, kind of what the DNA is of, of CA Church, or what we, we would like to do, what we're aiming towards, and kind of what our vision is. And last week, we mentioned that our, our vision, our mission statement as a church is to help all people become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And so what we're talking about over these last, uh, last week and this week and next week is kind of what that looks like. And last week, we talked about being stamped with the presence of God. And what does that look like? And what does it mean to be stamped uh, by this new story and how we ought to respond to that? And so we were explaining last, last week that we are, we are marked by Christ, we are stamped by his love, we are seen, we are known. And so we do not live in an effort to seek out his favor. We live already, known that, already knowing that we are seen and known and loved and, walk, and walking in that reality and in that fact. And that, that makes things completely different. Uh, as the text says, we are now invited to be a people with compassion, kindness, 
humility, gentleness, and patience to bear with each other and forgive one another if anyone has a grievance against someone else. We, we forgive. And we forgive give as a result with all of these things because God has already shown all those things to us. We are a community, ought to be a community, stamped by that reality and living out that right, reality. Our lives are inextricably connected. That's right, I said it. Inextricably, inex, no, I can't say it twice. Inextricably connected to Jesus. We cannot be torn apart from that. So in a mysterious way, what is true about Jesus is true about you and I. That's what this text says. We associate ourselves with Jesus above all else. Whatever, whatever ideology, whatever, whatever's passing through social media, those are all a second. We identify ourselves, we associate ourselves first and foremost with Jesus Christ. In verse 1 of Colossians, this, this chapter we were just reading, uh, verse 1 of chapter 3 says, Since then you have been raised with Christ, set your heart on things above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. It's a different view from up there. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. This is the, the, the option on the table for everyone this morning. Everyone who's come in here to be shaped by Christ rather than by earthly things. That is the option this morning. Because here's the first thing. And some of us maybe don't realize. We are all being formed. We are all being formed. As Christians, we agree with with. The sociologists that our families, our community, our society, our work conditions, these are all things that are forming us. They, 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 the area we live, the culture we grow up with, the background we have. But the gospel proclaims that these things do not have the final say in who we are. They, do, they ought not to have the final formation of our soul and our identity. 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ... The new creation has come, the old has gone, the new is here. But without Christ, what's the individual left with? Wherever the wind is going, whatever society says, whatever our culture says. And we live, if we're just going to decide to be a windsock and just go where, we, we need to realize we live in a society propelled forward by commercialism and secularism. We are commodity to the world. We are just asked to, just invited in. We are formed by the limits of the story we find ourselves in. So what is forming us? Because we are all being formed. If our story is small, we will be limited by desires and wants and opinions, and that's it. If it is centered on Christ, and our story sits with him in the heavenly realms, it forms in us a much larger story. So we need to ask, secondly, what is forming us? This is the hard question of this morning. How, what has been forming our minds this week? What has been forming uh, what we see as the greatest good? What we see as evil? What we see as something to pursue with our lives? When was the last time we asked ourselves that? What is forming us? So what are some of the things this week that formed your ideas? That, that tried to form your understanding of reality and what is important. What, what you should fight for in your life. Which, okay, don't answer. But this is something to think about. Which protest march do you picture yourself supporting and why? Don't answer it. Don't put your hands up. Let's continue with unity. 
When you looked on social media this week and you saw a handful of different marches going on, which one did you associate yourself with? It's an important question to ask. The question is not, are we being formed by anything? Humans do not, are never empty. If we're going to empty ourselves of the reality of a creator God who sees us, knows us, and loves us, something else is going to fill that up. That is what we do as human beings. If, if we are content to empty ourselves of our belief system, of a, of a larger reality, we will be filled with belief in something limited, something finite, with no meaning beyond what we can create with our own vision and what the world gives us. But the story we believe ourselves to be in will form us. We are being formed. It will form what we believe to be important. It will form what we believe to be true about ourselves and about others. So what did you find yourself cheering on this week? What did you find yourself lamenting this week? What broke your heart this week? Was it, was it a reflection of the heart of God or was it a heart of our cultural moment? Were, was what you were cheering on this week a reflection of what God would be cheering on? What you were lamenting this week, was it similar to what God would be lamenting? The, I came across this, and many of you have probably seen this already, but I thought this was a good example of sometimes how our heart might be different than the Father. Can we show that? You know what? Show it one more time because. Ronaldo down towards Lingard. Ronaldo! Manchester United! It's Cristiano Ronaldo! The child is cheering the very thing that is breaking his father's heart. Right? Right? Have we done that this week? Have we cheered on the very things that are breaking our father's heart? Maybe we need to take a look over our shoulder and see how our father is responding to the, some of the things that we get very excited about. That will tell us something about what is forming us. Oh, man. What do our social media posts declare about our formation? Nice family service. What do we get angry about? How and how do we get angry about certain things? <laughs> yeah, you ever you ever see someone post something and you're like, yeah, I so agree, and then you see how they wrote their disagreement, you go, yeah, I said, oh no, 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 <laughs> I don't want to be a part of that. I don't want to be associated with that. And then we get more and more anxious because the island of what we believe and how we believe it seems to get smaller, smaller, and smaller. Do, do, do the things that make us angry, do the thing and how we get angry and the things that get us excited and happy, do those declare that we have been raised with Christ, setting our hearts on things above, or are we limited to finite kingdoms and small stories? Never before in the history of the West has information changed, has the change come so fast as it comes right now. And never have the issues of society, as I've, as the years that are 52 years that I've been on, have they been so fractured and fracturing. And I would suggest that never before in, in an attempt to answer the deep, deep questions about what it means to be human, have people done less work to be informed theologically about God's ideas on these topics. Today, even many who gather in churches seek to find 
fundamental questions of what it means to be human and how we honor God with our decision behind hashtags and one-sentence posts. We've been for, we've been, we, we need to deal with some of the heaviest questions, and we're dealing with the most limited version of wisdom between, ha, between hashtags and tweets or what do we call them now? It's on X. Are they called Xers? I don't know what we call them. Anyway, I still call them tweets. Little information for you, and this is, this is current as of April 2023. 60% or 4.80 bil- 4.80 billion people around the world use social media. And the average use is two and a half hours a day. Two and a half hours a day of this. And some of you are going amateurs right now. I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear it. That is 864 hours a year. That's the equivalent of a month of social media a year. That's not even calculating the hours that we sleep. That's a 24 hour. Assuming an average person starts using social media at 16, as if... Users can spend up to five and a half years of their lives on social media, being informed. In the last 12 months, 150 million new users came onto social media. Maybe you're not a social media person. Maybe you just stream a lot of uh, movies. I like to stream some movies. Netflix subscribers spend 3.2 hours a day on Netflix, or 1,168 hours a year month and a half of the year on Netflix. YouTube is smaller. It's only about an hour a day or 365 hours a year. I did that math all by myself, by the way. And my guess would be that a lot of these people are either double or triple dipping. So many are spending over five hours a day online, two and a half months a year. So including all internet use, about 50% of our waking time is spent online. On the flip side, 45% of Christians say they read their Bible last week. So we have issues coming fast and furious, and we're doing less of the deep work to prepare ourselves. We may spend an hour a week gathering like this. If you're a champ in your community group, your numbers are upped. But here's the thing. Our engagement with the world through social media, repetitive news cycles, which by design form us in a warped, distorted way, feed us only certain information, that cannot be done without reflection. It cannot be done outside of community and not done outside of deep wisdom. It's no wonder anxiety is on the rise. Anger is on the rise when we're, we're being formed more and more by those who view us as a commodity, more than human beings with a soul and a, and a spirit and a future and a story. Paul says, as we read in verse 15, let the peace of Christ rule. Peace, where's that? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Let that play over and over. Since as members of one body, his church, you were called to peace. Be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit. You realize when we sing and do worship together, we're, we're diving into wisdom. We're getting a bigger story. Singing to God with gratitude in your hearts for that larger story. And whatever you do, whatever in, whether in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So 
Paul's answer for how in the world, in the midst of everything we're streaming through, how can we have peace? How can we be thankful? How can we live in wisdom with gratitude? Well, by allowing Christ above all else to rule our hearts and to form us. By letting the message of Christ dwell in us richly. Not just that we are saved, but that he, he now reigns above all and will one day come and judge the living and the dead. That's why the Apostle Paul when he was writing to a young pastor who was dealing with Christians who were coming and going and being tempted to, to move into other lesser stories. He writes this in 2 Timothy 4, 1-4. He says, In the presence of God and of Christ Jesus, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing in his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word. Be prepared in season and out of season. Correct, rebuke, and encourage with great patience and careful instruction. For the time will come when people will not put up with sound doctrine. Instead, to suit their own desires, they will gather around them a great number of teachers to say what their itching ears want to hear. They will turn their ears away from the truth and turn aside to myths. How will we keep from being formed by our own desires? How will we keep by being formed by what feels right, by following teachers who tell us what we want to hear? How will we keep by, by being sucked in by myths? Well, it won't be by 3.5 hours of reading social media posts. That's just not going to do it. Jesus made it clear in, in the conclusion of the Sermon on the Mount, which we just finished over the, su the, the summer, he said, there's some paths that look wide and they look easy and they look right, but they lead to death. Not just final judgment, but societal death. Death of the, of the individual soul. He said, there's a way to build your lives that, that, that is like building on a rock and then there's one that's like building on sand. One that is solid and one that will not last. Many today have a, a system of beliefs that is so fragile you say the wrong word, and it's like pulling out a Jenga block. <laughs> you feel like the whole, the whole building's going to fall down just by tapping on one of them. Fear it'll all fall down. But what a gift. What a gift in the midst of that to be offered the peace of Christ. To be called to peace. To live with gratitude in your hearts. This is, this is what is on offer with, the, with God's story, with being formed by the peace of Christ. So if we are being formed and God invites us, the third thing I want to point out this, this morning is, is how God desires to form us. How does God desire to form us? Well, first and foremost, he wants to form us in truth. He wants us to be restoried by the gospel, by the eternal, incorruptible truth. This is where we figure out how to live, by planning ourselves in this larger story. Alistair McIntyre, in his book uh, After Virtue, he wrote this. He said, I can only answer the question, what am I to do, if I can answer the prior question of what story or stories do I find myself apart? Find myself apart would have been the right emphasis. So what story do you find yourself in? Because it's, if it's a small story that's given to you by a small device, it'll be full of anxiety. It'll be full of a lot of opinions and preferences. 
What story do we find ourselves in? The gospel and the peace of Christ that comes with it? The New Testament writers explain to us that in Christ we are in a story that out-narrates all other stories. An eternal story based on the finished work of Jesus on the cross. And this offers a true identity. It offers true community. It offers a true way of life. There's this beautiful image that the writer of, of Hebrews in the New Testament gives us. It says this in Hebrews 12, 1 to 3. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, and he's writing this, or she is writing this, as an, as an encouragement to the early church in the midst of persecution, in the midst of many other voices. Since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us, fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and the perfecter of our faith. For the joy set before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and he now sits down at the right hand of the throne of God. Consider him, keep your eyes on him, who endured such opposition from sinners, so that you too will not grow weary and lose heart. Keep your eye on this larger story that is being, that is being looked upon by those who have come before you. By the heavenly host, we are reminded in this that there, there's a few fundamental truths that surround us. And if you're a regular attender here, you, you hear me hit on these over and over. I, I call this the three-dimensionality of our faith, of the gospel, of what it means to be in the church community. We are part of a historical church that's been going for 2,000 years, this cloud of witnesses. We are part of a, a global story. There are over 4 billion people who have been worshiping God over the next, over the last, before, after us, for 24 hours, on Sunday. Singing songs and hymns and spiritual songs and encouraging each other. We're part of a, a spiritual cosmic story that is closer and bigger than we think, that goes beyond what we can see, and that has important implications for the world. The resurrection of Jesus blew the lid off the cosmic box, and we now know that death is not the end. And that affects societal norms. And it, 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 it fights against the temporary. And we know that God is now still at work behind the curtain. You see how that pushes back against a storyless, a storyless worldview? Searching for a narrative? Every march you see is searching for a narrative. Is searching for meaning. And I don't care what side of the aisle it's on. This pushes back on that and says there's such a larger story that you can be a part of. There's an identity that is freely yours. So God wants to form us by truth. And he also wants to form us oh, in community. In community. This is the exact opposite of social media. Embodied community. In vulnerability, accountability, and importantly, with encouragement. The same writer to the Hebrews says this in chapter 10. He says, let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we can spur one another on towards, um, oh, I lost my place, uh, spur one another on towards love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together, not giving up meeting together, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. As Dietrich Bonhoeffer wrote, he said this, the starting point of Christian ethics is the body of Christ, 
the form of Christ in the form of the church, the formation of the church according to the form of Christ. Now you're all going, let me read it again. The starting point of Christian ethics for the individual is the body of Christ, the church, the form of Christ in the form of the church, and the formation of the church according to the form of Christ. In other words, you and I learn to grow. We are working together to help all people become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. And we do that together in community. It doesn't happen outside of Christian community. In fact, it is not by accident that those who decide that Christian community is an option often find themselves listening, as Paul wrote to Timothy, to a great number of teachers saying what their itching ears want them to hear, turning their ears away from the truth and towards myths. Every time I hear someone say, I do not need the church as part of my faith, I don't see the purpose in it, I think there goes another one. There goes another one. It's just a matter of time. I don't need community. I created a meme this week to, to capture my concern. If you have the church in the background and you have the one who doesn't need to be a part of the community, you have the lioness who's very quick and ready to attack. <laughs> and if you've been on social media over the last couple of weeks, you'll see that many who you used to be a part of the community of Christ... I've seen a lot of posts over the last few weeks that would tell me, yep, you are no longer a part of the family of Christ. You no longer want to be a part of the, the, the gathered community of Christ. I'm not talking about salvation, but the gathered community of Christ. We are not vacuums. We are out in the wild. We are meant to go walk into chaos attached to the family. That's why as CA Church, when we invite you to be a part of a class as as Cassie was saying, or, or a team, or, or to serve here at the church, or remind you over and over about the importance of Christian community. It's never simply about filling a spot here on a Sunday morning. It's about anchoring yourself in the larger story and allowing it to form who you are, how you see yourself, how you see others and God and our current cultural moment. And so with all that in mind, you may be sitting here saying, okay, well, what are some of the practical steps I can take to make sure I'm not a, a victim of continual, this continual search for identity? How do I protect myself from myths and sub-stories? That is, what a good question. I'm glad you guys asked that question. And, 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 and we as a church are hoping to be conduits of God's story in your life and doing whatever we can to to nurture the ground and prepare the soil for God to do a work in you. So I just want to tell you about a few things in this church that are going on over this next little while that you can plant yourself in and anchor yourself in. One was already mentioned. One is next step. Next step here at, at uh, Town Center is a two-week journey about what it means to be a part of CA Church. If you are newish, this is perfect for you. If you've been going here for a while, but you want to know a bit more about, about uh, what it means to be a part of the church, how we can get connected in different areas, uh, Andrea Carter will be teaching that. There she is. And uh, you guys can sign up for that online. That is not the time. <laughs> It will be starting at 10.15 during the service. When we finished worship, you will be dismissed. And that will be next week and the following week. So yes, you will miss my sermon. Don't worry about it. Well, you only, Actually, you won't miss any of my sermons because I won't be here. It's perfect timing. <laughs> Don't tell them that, but it's perfect. All our stuff is on podcast. You can listen to it. 
later. But I would encourage you to sign up for that online today. It'll start next week. The other thing I want to let you know about is something that I'm very excited to be starting. I've been wanting to start this for about a decade at our church. It's called the Sanctuary Course. The Sanctuary Course is an eight-week-long course that's meant to help Christians and the church meaningfully engage the topics of faith and mental health. It's, it's not, this isn't Christian therapy. This is actually for those who love and want to be informed and better serve those in our community who walk with mental health challenges. It, we haven't even announced it yet, and we've already got about seven or eight people signed up. I would love to fill this up. We'll be doing this up at our Mariner campus, but I will be hosting it. It'll be starting on October 25th and going for eight weeks. You can sign up for that today. Excited that our next Women's TC Bible study is going to be starting up in a week and a half as well. You can sign up for that today online as well. Meeting from 7 to 8.30 to pray together, to deepen your relationship with God, deepen your relationship with each other. Uh, the women will be going through a, a Bible study, seven-week book study called Women Like Us. I'll tell you one of my favorite stories about the women's Bible study. The first time it ever happened, I had someone talk to me later on that week and say, they went, I went to the women's Bible study and I'm like, none of these people attend our church. Not one of these people go to TC. And then they said, and then the next week at church, I realized they all go to TC. I just never knew who they were. <laughs> it's a great opportunity if you're still trying to connect with the women at our church to sign up. You can sign up for that today. It's on our events page. And lastly, I would say this, and we, we pushed this throughout the year, but I want to make a special push today. If you are not in a community group, you need to connect with a community group. This is an opportunity to gather together, and we do it in different ways with different kind of groups of people. To gather together uh, in living rooms, coffee shops, have, have snacks, sometimes people have meal. Build relationships that go beyond Sunday morning. and a to, to be able to gather throughout, throughout our lives and have people check in and say, can we be praying for you in this way? How's that, how's that new job offer going? How's the search for work going? How's that conflict going in your family? How can we be praying for you? You are not meant to walk into chaos alone. Jesus died to create this community you're sitting in right now, where we can come with all sorts of different backgrounds and be unified in Christ and walk together and encourage each other. So many uh, community groups have started up over the past few weeks, and some are going to be starting out in the next few weeks. Some are full, and some are continuing to ask for more people. So what I would like is everyone here who is a community group leader, and I know we're not all here, whether your, your group is full or still looking for people, I would like you to stand. Yes, right now. Fantastic. And first of all, in a moment, we're going to clap for these people because these people decided that it's, it's important not just to show up on Sunday. It's important to sub-shepherd and lead our people to continue to walk towards and with Jesus. So let's applaud and honor these people for doing that. Remain standing because I'm going to pray for you guys. But after the service, when we head out and have a meal together, they're all going to have name tags on. Yes, you are. They're just outside there. Write your name on them. 
Put it, put it on your on your shirt. And um, if you are interested in getting in a community group, talk to some of these people. Some of them might say they're full. I can tell you right now, those two back there are going to say we'd love to have you. Uh, so introduce yourselves um, to them. And if you want to know more about how to get into community group, you're a little unsure about approaching these people, come talk to me and we will get you connected. Put it on a connect card and we will get you connected. There's a handful of people that are, that are on the bench right now that are looking to be in a community group right now. I will get you in one over the next couple weeks. But let's pray for these leaders. God of grace, thank you so much uh, for those who are standing uh, in our midst this morning who, some of them many years ago, some over the last few years and some recently have said, this is important for the kingdom of God. And so God, I pray that you would, would bless them with your peace, that you would give them uh, strength and patience and love for those that they lead and co-lead with. And we pray for our community groups over this next year that they would thrive, that they would be a great source of encouragement and strength as we move towards you and walk with you. In Jesus' name, amen. You can be seated. Thanks for standing up, you guys. And so the last thing I want to let you know about, because this is an important aspect of being in the church as well, that is do not run off after the service. We're going to spend some time eating some good soup that people prepared for us. We got chicken nuggets for the kids. We got gluten-free cookies for the gluten-free. And uh, I think we covered all the bases. Uh, so uh, I'm going to pray and then the team's going to come up. And then I will dismiss you after that. God of grace, thank you so much. Thank you so much that we can come with ba different backgrounds and gather in a, in a community that you died to create. That out of a world that is fractured by different ideology, in many areas fractured by, by race, by politics, by geography, thank you that we can enter this place in unity and love and peace. And so please stamp us with your spirit of peace. And as, as we read this morning, if, if we need to offer forgiveness, may we offer it freely. Why? Because you, you freely gave it to us. And people outside of this building who, who may push up against us because we associate ourselves with you, may we, may we be conduits of your kindness and grace. And we look to you and we look to your, your servant, Stephen, who when they looked at the crowd that was pushing against them saw not enemies, they saw victims. Victims of darkness and victims of a small story. God, may we be conduits of the beautiful story that you've welcomed us into. Jesus, where, where, where we find it a struggle at times to, to continue to be connected to you, please remind us of the words of Peter. Only you have the words of eternal life. Only you are the way to the Father. Only you are the one who defeated sin and death and will be coming again. And so we place our stories in your story that out-narrates anything we could ever come up with. Thank you for your grace and your mercy and thank you for welcoming us in. We live in the joy and the peace of your story. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening to this message. If you've been listening to our sermons, but you're not a part of a church community, we would love to have you join us. You can go to cachurch.ca to find out more about getting involved in the life and mission of CA Church.